the Laps Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You are watching episode 182 of the Lax Factor podcast. You're watching or you're listening. Uh, I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today I'm going to break from the conference projections. I'm going to do the Big Ten next weekend or maybe even a little bit uh, into the week, but I wanted to talk about the top transfers in 2022. Now that teams are putting out their rosters and we have a couple more transfers that have been uh, roped into the mix here. Uh, we we know where guys are and where they're uh, and maybe how they're going to fit in now that the rosters are starting to come out. So I want to talk about that. As always, before I get into it, you can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening or watching on Spotify, just share the crap out of this. If you're listening anywhere else that you could listen to podcasts, once again, share, like. Um, subscribe, do whatever you can do to make sure that you know when we put out more more episodes and uh, share it with your friends. Let's grow it that way. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com, get swag, t-shirts, hats, all that crap. We have a little shop section over here that you can hit up. But let's get into this now. First guy I want to talk about, and I just wanted to say out loud that this was inspired by my, my on the crapper reading this morning, in fact. I'm actually, this is Sunday morning, 11.20 a.m. as I'm recording, finally getting to recording this, and I was taking my morning dump, and I was reading an Inside Lacrosse article where they went through their top transfers, and uh, I just, I like it when the podcasts write themselves, because I've already covered all of these guys, I already know a bunch about all these guys, but then I was surprised at a couple of the listing, uh, a couple of the way, the way they ranked a couple of them, so I wanted to uh, reference that as well. So my number one guy and I, th- he was, I think, their number three guy. He's my number one guy. Is uh, Sean Lully to uh, from Penn to Duke? Now I think he might be their number three because he hasn't played meaningful lacrosse in quite a while. But this kid, I think, should be the sneaky number one transfer, and that's even over another guy I'm going to talk about as my number two is uh, Will Bowen, the defender, All American defender, transferring from uh, UNC to Georgetown. So Lully. Like, sneaky number one, it's not even all that sneaky. In the shortened 2020 season for Penn, Lully put up insane numbers. 14 goals, 16 assists in just five games. That is bonkers productivity over the course of that. And I had been uh, touting that. I've talked about Lully a couple of times, and I talked about how how he was going to be uh, sneaky good at Duke. Not so sneaky good for some, but sneaky good for people who haven't watched Penn and who didn't know him, because especially because Penn hasn't played lacrosse in forever. Um, But just to kind of show you what this kid did in that 2020 season, this wasn't like him playing even Ivy League teams, which are all fairly high quality. In their first game of the year against Maryland, he had four goals and two helpers. Penn led most of that game, and uh, Maryland did come back to win it at the end, but that was a very close game. Penn playing, I think Maryland was probably the number one team in the country, or top three anyway, at that point. Their next game against Duke, six goals and one assist, and Penn beat Duke. I think that was at Penn, but I'm not 100% sure. But Penn upset Duke 14-11, to and Lully had six goals, one assist. So there you go. Duke has a history with him already, so they know how excited they are to have him on campus. Two goals and six assists in a loss against Penn State. Now, this one's big because he's playing against O'Keefe and Amet at that point in 2020. The two dopest, the, like the, the you know the Batman and Robin of college across, probably one of the most dynamic duos that we've ever seen in the sport in terms of just a a one two punch and two guys that fed off of each other. So he's playing against two of the highest scoring attackmen in the country. He goes two and six for eight points. They lost by a goal, but he outscored both Amet and O'Keefe individually, and Amet and O'Keefe combined for eight, uh, nine points in that game. He puts up eight points by himself. That's a big deal. 
One goal and five assists in a what I'd call for them a bad loss to Nova because I expected for Penn to beat Nova. But as we always say, Nova always upset some people early. And I think at this point, Kirst was still playing for Nova in 2020 also. And uh, Nova, it was a four or five game win streak for Nova at that point when they beat Penn. But still, one goal five helpers in that game and you see kind of the versatility four goals and two assists against Maryland six and one against Duke two and six against Penn State and then one and five against Nova so his teams adjusted to him started sending extra attention to him once they see hey this kid's putting up big goal numbers then he just starts putting up big assist numbers what I always said about Amat Amat could have put up 50 goals if he was called to he just never was called to it was better for him to be the feeder within that offensive system but Amat if ever pressed so much that they say hey we're going to take everybody away from Amet. Uh, he'd score goals, and, and Lully's a guy like that. Lully's capable of putting up assists in big numbers, goals in big numbers. I think he's probably more versatile overall, even than Amet. But make no mistake, I mean, I'd, I'd say, I dare say, with numbers like that, and depending on what he does at Duke here, I mean, we could be looking at a future pro in Lully. And then he went one and two against St. Joe's. Um, that was the only game that he didn't pace Penn. And uh, that was the only game that he wasn't the leading scorer for Penn. In 2019, a solid but far more pedestrian 16 goals and 15 assists. But he had three 50-plus point scorers uh, on his team that were all ahead of him in Goldner, Hanley, and Matthias that year. So it was the following year where he was going to be the man. But still, 16 and 15 on a team where he had three teammates put up 50-plus points. So that's impressive. So watch out for him. He could end up being that seriously missing piece for Duke. They lose a couple of their big scorers. But like I said, I was wrong last week. I, I forgot or just didn't know, let's say, that Robertson was coming back for Duke as well. So you now now Duke's attack last year was Sowers, Robertson, and uh, O'Neal. You know, you lose Sowers, that's huge. But Lully, he, he's going to fit in well there. And you're going to end up with Lully, Robertson, and O'Neal, I presume, on attack for Duke. Once again, Duke has too much too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, I think they legitimately had too much talent on the offensive side of the ball, and it was hard to figure out where to put all of that talent. So there were a couple of guys that kind of could have produced if called upon that didn't get called upon this year. I'd like the mix a little bit better. You don't, I mean, Sowers was great, but Sowers was like, you know, he's next level. Great. So the team kind of has to work around that. And at times they kind of struggled to figure out that flow. This could end up proving to be a really good mix of players in terms of you don't have anyone that's leaps and bounds better than the rest. You just have, three to five guys that are all right at about the same level, and then a bunch of guys to fill in roles behind them. So he's going to make Duke dangerous. That's my number one transfer this year. Let's get to the next one. Will Bowen, attackman out of – or attackman. Will Bowen, defense out of UNC. He's heading to Georgetown. He teams up with Gibson Smith and Owen McElroy. That's going to end up being a really big deal. That gives Georgetown – two of the top five defenders. I'd say Bowen and Gibson Smith, I'm not going out on a limb to say they're two of the top five defenders in the country. McElroy, I'd make the argument, if not the best goalie in the country, one of the top three goalies in the country, all on that team. Uh, I think they have Mazzone back as well. He's a solid defender. So, I mean, Georgetown on defense is now insanely talented. They were going to be good on defense anyway. Now they're ridiculously good on defense with two All-American... Like Bowen and, and Gibson Smith are both potential first-team All-American defenders, and McElroy is a first-team All-American goaltender. 
So that's just crazy to have on one team. And then they're talented enough offensively, too, that this is going to put Georgetown in a position where they could run the table on Denver for a second straight uh, season. I'll say my next pick here is going to have something to say about that for Denver because Denver picks up yet another big transfer that they were able to steal from a, a smaller, smaller, well, I wouldn't say a smaller lacrosse school, but, you know, from a, a co- Tyranny as a coach is a legend, and he's been cherry-picking transfers here these last two seasons, and he's got a good one. But anyway, Will Bowen heading to Georgetown. That's a huge one. That's my number two impact transfer. And uh, Georgetown, they beat Denver 11-10 in their first meeting in 2021, and then again 10-9 in their Big East Conference uh, Finals matchup before they went on to beat Syracuse 18-8 in the NCAA tournament, which made me super sad. So that defense is going to be every bit as nasty this upcoming season as they were last year. So watch out for Georgetown, and that'll partly be thanks to Will Bowen deciding to do his graduate uh, his graduate learning there. Next one for me, and this kid on the IL list was much further down the IL list than I thought that he should be because I am a big fan of uh, Richie Connell here out of Richmond. I've been talking about Connell for a couple of years here. He's had a couple of big seasons. If we look at his stats over here, you look at his freshman year, 19 and three for 22 points. 2021, he was 35 and seven for 42 points. Kid can play ball. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call him, he's an off ball player, but he can kind of do it all, you know, kind of very much like a, a Logan Wisnowskis, where if called upon, he can get himself to the rack. But if you give this kid time and room with his hands free, he's going to absolutely snipe you and make you feel bad. I love that picture right there. So Connell is a legit attackman and is a, is a, I can't believe I, I, I didn't even know he transferred. I didn't see anybody pick this story up specifically, and maybe it happened and it was announced at a time when I wasn't paying close attention or whatnot, but that's a that's a big deal. He could definite, he'll definitely be one of Denver's leading scorers. He could potentially step in and become Denver's leading scorer, does, knowing what they've lost and what they have to make up for here now. Um, insane potential for this kid. Uh, the COVID-shortened season, like I said, 19-3, 42% shooting with seven-man-up goals and a game-winning goal. 2021, 35-7, 40% shooting, 10-man-up goals, and three game-winning goals. And I never know how those game-winning goals work. They, You look at the box score, and you're like, that didn't look like a game-winning goal, like I would say. I think he may have scored the goal that eventually put them up, even if it was a, a larger margin. Not sure, because I've looked through it, and that number doesn't always add up to what I would even consider a game-winning goal. But moral of the story, statistically speaking, he's great. And he's got a kind of a – the only knock I would say against Connell is that he he did have a tendency at least last year to not show up in the box score. Now, in, in some games that he did, three goals and a loss to UNC, two goals in a loss to UVA, that was an eight-goal loss – Five points in a, I think it was three goals, two assists in a one goal win over Air Force. Air Force, a SoCon rival, is a, fair, is a fairly formidable team and always gives Richmond some trouble here and there. Uh, two and two in a three goal loss to High Point in the SoCon finals. And like I said, my only knock, he has a tendency to disappear from the box score at times. No points against Duke in a seven goal loss. No points against High Point in their first meeting, a 17-10 win. So I don't know what happened in those games. I don't know if maybe he was injured or if it, they just played him well off ball and he didn't get freed up enough to do anything. But make no mistake, Tierney, he will know exactly what to do with Connell as he does great things with attackmen that have a proclivity for scoring off ball. So I think Connell's going to be a big part of what Denver does. And I was surprised 
there hasn't been a bigger deal made of this. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Connell's been hiding in Richmond and the, you know, the lacrosse masses haven't woke up yet to Richmond being, you know, right below breaking out as to, as, you know, into, you know, being one of the top programs in the country every year. I think Richmond will eventually get there. They're kind of that mid-major that's been the one of the best of the mid-majors now for many years, but Connell is legit and is going to do big things at Denver. And all the Richmond folk, uh, Drew here, uh, he was actually the one, I think it's uh, what, Drew Koch, Drew Koch, however you say his name, and uh, he was the one I think that was hit me up on Facebook, we were chatting about it, and he was saying, hey, look, at they lost, you know, Richmond lost these two guys, and I was like, what? I didn't know Richmond lost either of those two guys, and I'm going to talk about the other one here, he's last on my list, but, all right, so that is uh, Richie Connell, he was my number three, we move on. Mitch Bartolo, another Penn transfer. Penn has been bleeding players to other programs here, and they've all been big players and have all done good things at the programs. I think Notre Dame robbed a couple of Penn players last year. Bartolo's getting robbed and heading to Rutgers here. Now, I was a little bit skeptical. IL talked about uh, that he would be as impactful as Connor Kirst, and I was thinking, you know what? I mean, Listen, Connor Kirst is next level, and not that Mitch Bartolo isn't a very capable, uh, you know, kind of attack mid hybrid or whatnot. At least that's what'll be at Rutgers. Uh, I think he was primarily a midfielder, but just like Kirst was a midfielder at Villanova, Rutgers needed him at attack, and that's what he played that year. So I was skeptical that they were putting him in that same league. But then I get thinking, Connor Kirst joined two addition, two other very capable attackmen at Rutgers last year. All three of them have graduated. So Connor Kirst, even though he was one of their big cats, he wasn't their biggest cat. They kind of had a three-headed monster down there at attack last year. And that was why they had uh, amazing success. They were good defensively and incredible offensively. One of the the most exciting offensive teams to watch, I think, during the year. Damn shame they didn't get to play against anyone other than just the Big Ten opponents because I would have liked to have seen how that Rutgers team matched up against the rest of the, the country. But anyway, Bartolo, I'm, I'm on board with that now. As I, as I reconsider it and you think, all right, Rutgers lost all three of their leading scorers last year, at least all three of their attackmen last year. He is going to need to step up, and he is going to have to be a huge part of this team. So he's a big boy, 6'6", 220. In 2019, which was the last time he was really playing any meaningful lacrosse, he was good for 16 goals and 7 assists for a Penn team that finished 12-4 and four that year. Penn was loaded that year, and he was a big part of what they did. So how is that not going to be one of the most impactful transfers? Because this dude is leaving Penn to now join Rutgers at a time where Rutgers needs that talent. They need depth. They need leadership, and Bartolo, he checks off all of those boxes for him. Rutgers has done an, uh, an incredible job using the, the transfer portal since it's, uh, since it's come out, and they've been a big beneficiary of COVID-related transfers, you know, and in this case from the Ivy robbing them. Um, all right, next guy. We're going to go with another Ivy League kid that's ditching for uh, what they consider to be greener pastures is Jonathan Donville, Cornell uh, kid transferring to Maryland. I was disappointed in seeing that Donville was going to ditch Cornell because I'm sort of a Cornell fan. As long as they're not playing Syracuse, I am a Cornell fan. Uh, kid's a second-team All-American, a team captain for the Big Red, went 13-7 and in the COVID-shortened season. He'll provide Maryland with yet another complete player capable of scoring goals and spurts and also helping his friends a little bit as needed. Uh, it's not going to be a natural fit. I think Lully is going to like fit like a glove 
within the Duke system. And I think he's going to be like, I think Lully was made to play there at this point. Uh, I don't, Donville in, in the Maryland mix, they're going to have to kind of figure it out. Maryland right now losing, after losing Bernhardt, they have lots of guys capable of carrying that offense of being a primary Dodger, but nobody like Bernhardt. So Maryland's going to have to, you know, in their first three or four games or so, hopefully they don't figure it out by the time they play up at the Dome. Uh, I think that'll be Maryland's third game and Syracuse's second game of the season. So hopefully it takes Maryland all three first games to figure it out, and then Syracuse can get a win up in the Dome against them. But um, they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure out who's going to be our primary, primary Dodger. I mean, is it going to be Bubba? Bubba Fairman running around a little bit more and, and carrying the ball. Certainly Wisnowski's wearing the number one. He's a, a capable Dodger, but he's not your give him the ball every time at X and he's going to you know make things happen kind of Dodger. I think that takes him way too far out of what the, the, the core strength of his is, which is finishing off ball, finishing as a two Dodger. Uh, I think that that's too, too big a part of Wisnowski's game for them to you know expect him to kind of pick up the ball and carry it every possession, dodge every possession. So Donville isn't that guy. He's not the guy that's going to step in and do that either. But he's very Wisnowskis-like, uh, very capable off-ball, uh, can dodge when called upon and get to the rack for sure. Um, so he can kind of do everything. He's kind of a utility knife for Maryland here. And they've had success last year with a utility knife, and they're going to have success this year with grabbing another utility knife. Uh, so they just added to their toolbox, so to speak, here with Donville. Um Let's see here. What else was I going to say about it? They're, and Maryland's just loaded offensively. I mean, this is just adding yet another guy capable of scoring goals, dishing, helping his teammates out. So it's it's ridiculous what they have offensively in terms of talent, even after losing Bernhardt. This is going to help them. So like I said, take them a little bit to figure it out. But once they do, he will be a big part of that. I suspect he'll be one of their top five leading scorers, maybe one of their top three leading scorers before the end of the year. The kid's that good. This isn't just some you know two-bit player from Cornell heading to Maryland. This is a kid that's going to go to Maryland and will definitely contribute, in my uh, opinion. And I have in my notes here, I think he'll be third or fourth in scoring uh, for the Terps. All right, my number six guy. Guy that I was not aware existed for the most part here. Jason Reynolds. Uh, he is ditching Richmond for Notre Dame. Yet another big defensive talent ditching their, their school to head to Notre Dame. Last year, I think it was Thornton who left. I think it was Penn, right? Did Thornton leave Penn to head to Notre Dame or was he a Richmond kid? I think Thornton was a Penn kid. So Notre Dame you know, added to their defensive depth with Thornton last year from Penn. And Thornton ended up overachieving, you know, beyond what people expected, because when you take a really talented defender and you plop him in the middle of a defense that has other really talented defenders on the team, apparently that's a uh, putting that kid in a position to thrive. And, and Reynolds is going to literally fit like a glove within that Notre Dame defense. He's a big kid. He looks like a defender for Notre Dame. Actually, he's not a big kid. I'm, a, I'm smoking crack. He looks like a big kid in some of his pictures, but uh, apparently he's a 5'10", 180. So he is not a big kid at all. Um, but he started all 52 games for the Spiders. Uh, first team uh, all SoCon in 2019 and 2021. Contributed last year beyond expectation. Uh, uh, oh, I was talking about Thornton. Thornton contributed last year beyond expectation. Expect to see Reynolds do something very similar. They're bringing back Arden Cohen on defense. They've got Liam Entman coming back in cage for Notre Dame. Both savvy vets. Reynolds, 52 starts under his belt for a very good Richmond lacrosse team. And, and Richmond has been a good lacrosse team the entire time he's been there. So this isn't a kid coming from a losing program program going to a winning program like Notre Dame. This is a kid leaving a winning program going to another winning program that just has a better defense. So I expect he will start. I expect he'll, you know, 
help anchor that defense with Cohen and company, and he's going to make Notre Dame very good. He They're going to need it because, like I said, I had Notre Dame pegged to finish uh, second in the ACC already, and then once I found out Robertson was coming back and then I considered Lully, it's like, yeah, Duke – should be that number two team, and I think Notre Dame will be the number three team, but adding a guy like Reynolds only helps solidify Notre Dame's chance of being able to handle a team like Duke. In terms of their offensive firepower, uh, sorry, I had to get another drink. So expect Reynolds to do big things and expect him to be a big part of what Notre Dame does on defense, obviously. Notre Dame has, has been the best team in terms of let's bolster our defense with one or two transfers every year. It has worked out for them. Notre Dame's problem, as we said, is going to come at the faceoff dot. Uh, they stole Penn's faceoff guy, Gallagher, for last year, and they ended up having two of the top faceoff guys in the country, both playing pro lacrosse right now. So they've lost both of those faceoff men. So that's going to be the if no if Notre Dame can win fifty plus percent of their faceoffs, I fully expect that they're going to be the number two team in the ACC between their defense and offensive firepower. Uh, if they can't win more than fifty percent of draws at the faceoff dot, then then they're probably going to drop to third or fourth in the ACC. All right, next up here. Kevin Mack, attackman, ditching Michigan for Stony Brook. Kid has put up big numbers in his first couple of seasons, uh, in his first couple of seasons for Michigan. 2018, 21, and 21, he started all 14 games. 2019, he went 19 and 18, started all 13 games. In 2020, 13 goals and three assists. He started six of seven games in that shortened season, put up decent numbers there uh, over those first few games. And in 2021, no points. He played in five games, only started one, and only took four shots due to injury. He was injured almost all season long, barely got into games, never really got into the flow. But that's a huge pickup for Stony Brook. Normally, guys ditch some of these bigger pro programs like Michigan and Penn State, and you're seeing dudes ditch uh, Richmond and, and things like that, and they're ditching for the bigger schools. So you don't you end up losing track of some of these guys like Kevin Mack, who was expected you know to be a big piece of the Michigan puzzle last season and wasn't because of injury. So I mean he's going to step onto campus at Stony Brook and be one of their best offensive players on day one. Huge pickup for them, and uh, that will give them a huge offensive boost. So I had to mention Mac because uh, I expect for him to be you know to have a big season last year and it just never panned out due to his injuries now we get into the what ifs because both of these next uh, transfers I'm going to talk about we don't know how much they're going to play at their new schools but uh, Bobby Gavin talked about him a little bit already goalie UVA heading to Syracuse here a mid-season transfer nonetheless so I've spoken briefly on him and the only reason I don't have him listed higher is because I don't know if he's going to start if he was already named the starter at Syracuse, I would then probably have him a little bit higher up on the list because he's, you know, whoever starts at Syracuse this year is replacing an All-American goalkeeper and Drake Porter that I believe anchored the QSD for, what, three years or so? Definitely played really, really well the last two seasons, and they need someone to play tough in goal. They need someone to be able to save at least 50, if you know, at least 50% of the shots, but ideally get, get above that 53% mark or so. Um, so he got two starts in cage for UVA in 2021 and even got an ACC Defensive Player of the Week nod for his 13-save effort against Army. I think that was like one of Virginia's first couple of games, but he's more than capable goaltender and could be what Syracuse needs in net, assuming he ends up being the guy to get start. Obviously, if he doesn't start, he's not what Syracuse needed in net. But the good thing with him, he's got starting experience. He started a couple of games in you know big games for Virginia, won a national championship on the bench for Virginia after Rode ended up coming back and, and taking that position back. 
So we'll see how it, how it works out. But he's got uh, experience on a within a good program, has played a little bit. So maybe he ends up being the answer in cage for Syracuse. Now, another goalie, once again, we don't know if he's starting or not. But he's already at least proven himself. You know, at one point he's proven himself at the on the biggest stage. Here is Caton Johnson heading to Ohio State from North Carolina. Another kid. I'm not sure if he's going to be the one that ends up playing or not. But his freshman year at UNC, he posted a 54.5 percent save percentage. Started six out of nine games that year. Appeared in all nine games. In 2020, he struggled. Started all seven games for North Carolina, but only stopped 46.2% of the shots he faced, and then he lost his starting job to North Carolina's freshman phenom last year. Um, and that's it for him now at UNC. But he has talent. You know, at one point, as a very young man, he saved 54-plus percent of the shots that he faced playing in the ACC, and it was a big deal. Everybody was talking about the kid in that 2019 season. So if he can get back to that level of play, he could be a huge addition for Ohio State. Ohio State, they've had some solid keepers here and there, but nothing that has been what you know every team wants, wants which is a guy that can consistently save 55% of shots and win some games for you where your defense may be playing a little bit down. Is Caton Johnson that guy? I don't know. Could he potentially uh, be that guy? Absolutely. You know, he could he could end up panning out big for them. And Ohio State also added a couple of defenders via the transfer portal. I believe they picked up a defender from Lynchburg um, that's supposed to be pretty damn solid and a Division One body. So we'll see how that pans out. But if Ohio State needs help at the defense, especially playing within the Big Ten this upcoming season, so maybe Caton Johnson's going to be somebody that can help them. And then the last guy I want to talk about, Mustang freaking Sally, a sweet name. Dude kind of burst onto the scene last year thanks to you know a bunch of podcasts talking about him because of his sweet name. Um, uh, and, and, and he played solid defense uh, for Richmond here. Loyola was in need of some quality defensive midfielders, and they get one in, in Mustang Sally transferring to Loyola. He uh, forced four turnovers and scooped up 13 ground balls for Richmond last season. If you watched any of their games, the kid garnered a lot of attention. His name was mentioned often, uh, not just because he was scrapping and he got in the mix a little bit and, and he got he 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 put himself in positions where the telecast guys could could mention his name, but also because he's a gritty lacrosse player and plays really solid defense. So Loyola, a team that was in need of a little bit of talent on defense after they bled some some starters at various positions on the defensive side of the ball last year, particularly at D mid, Mustang Sally can kind of step in and uh, be that guy for him. So that is this episode. We we're getting we're getting close here, guys. I mean. We've got uh, the first week of February we're going to have lacrosse. We only have a couple more weekends to kind of rip through here, talk about a couple more conferences, preview a couple more teams, you know, talk about uh, pre, you know, preseason uh, award lists and everything like that. So next week I will either do the Big Ten predictions or I'll end up doing my preseason picks uh, position by position for like preseason attackman of the year, midfielder of the year, defender of the year, goalie of the year, player of the year kind of deal. So I'll either, I probably will do the four, uh, my four preseason players of the year next week and talk in depth about all of them and a little bit more about their teams and everything like that. Cause uh, we don't have enough time here before the season starts to do team previews for everybody. So I'll do some team previews as we talk about some of the players that are, that are going to be big, uh, big timers for those programs. So uh, what do we got? 27 minutes here for today. I think that's going to be all she wrote. 
So I'll, like I said, I'll be back next week one way or another. I don't always stick to the plan uh, week to week and, tell, and, 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 and follow through on what I say I was going to talk about the following week. But uh, this week, I, I legitimately wanted to talk about these transfers because I've been waiting for rosters to get finalized and to start seeing where everybody was and, where, and, and just to confirm that this guy was going to play here based on the mix. So all of the guys I mentioned today, I think, are going to be um, – starters within their position groups for the teams that they've transferred to. Uh, so I think those legitimately, I think that's a pretty good top 10. That's not the an end-all, be-all. There's probably five guys that you could substitute, you know, for my bottom three guys or whatnot uh, that were on that list. But, you know, these are the guys I knew uh, that I could talk about in some sort of educated way. So that was why I picked them. So that's it. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. You can hit the shop, get yourself a T-shirt, uh, hats, all sorts of crap that we have here. We have both branded stuff. You know, we've got our podcast logo shirt, regular logo, uh, some Syracuse, you know, not Syracuse officially, but, you know, let's, let's, that's what we're going for, let's be honest. And then some even non, non-branded crap that you can wear too here. Uh, we did have at one point, I'm not sure if we took it off the site yet, uh, did I? The Maryland Got Fucked shirt. Uh, yeah, that is not on the site anymore. But we did at one point have a Maryland Got Fucked t-shirt on here. That was pretty cool. But uh, I digress. Now I'm just rambling. So I'm going to let you all roll. Uh, I'll be back next week, next Sunday. And then, like we say, once the season starts, then we'll go uh, Sundays and Thursdays or Sundays and Wednesdays. We'll figure out which which day in the middle of the week we'll go. But we'll do Sundays recapping all of Saturday's games. And then we'll do quick show on Wednesday where we recap some Sunday games and talk about the upcoming games the following week. So we'll get back to two shows a week. But uh, for right now, we're sticking with the one a week on Sunday. I might even do a couple of live streams on Sunday morning leading into it where we'll just live stream the show. I'll pull it down and then put it up fresh after. Uh, for those of you that are into that sort of thing. So if you're still watching or listening at this point, hit me up on social media, hit me up in the comments and say, what if we were to do a live stream or a couple of live streams leading into the season and then we were to live stream regularly um, before the season, what time would you guys want to see that? I think last year we we did a bunch of live streams Saturday morning before the Saturday game. So if everybody pre- uh, prefers that, maybe we keep that going and do a bit of a live stream uh, then I'd prefer to make it a little bit more open. So maybe we use a different platform for it. And maybe instead of just live streaming on YouTube, maybe we put a, you know, have some kind of uh, place where it could be a big discussion for anyone who joins where everybody could chat. So maybe we'll do that. We'll see how it goes. But uh, hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media letting me know what you'd prefer, especially if you'd like to take part and actually talk and get yourself on air, get yourself on the channel um, by uh, being in some kind of Zoom call that we could all discuss or, or some other platform that lets us do it. I don't know what platforms do that yet, so I'll figure it out. So, all right, I'm going to shut the hell up. Sorry, I'm rambling. So uh, that's it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Just like, subscribe, share, all that good shit. And Hoost is out. If I could figure out how to turn this fucking thing off. Mm-hmm.